Today we're going to talk about tile-based pixel art. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the 35th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zachavelli. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Zachavelli underscore. I also will put a open invite link to our community Discord in the show notes. On our community Discord, we do monthly game jams. We talk about making video games. We do emoji contests. It's just a really nice place that's focused on developing your skills as a game developer. So I would definitely encourage you to go check it out. Lastly, we have a Patreon. I will also leave a link to that in the show notes in case you're interested. Becoming a patron is the best way to directly support the show. It allows for a third episode every month. And um, you get to pick, if you are a patron, you get to vote on uh, topics for episodes And you get a special role in the Discord, so if that interests you, I will leave a link in the show notes. With the intro out of the way, let's move on over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I provide a prompt to the audience. This prompt usually has to do with game design, or maybe it's an art prompt. And it's really intended as a way to just take like a 15-minute kind of thought exercise or... Just some small practice to maybe sharpen your game design or art or whatever the topic is, just to sharpen those skills. Submissions are done on the uh, community Discord under the Game Dev Challenge page, and people vote on their submissions, and the one with the most votes wins. So, for the episode 34 Game Dev Challenge, the winner is Defrag. If you'll remember episode 34's Game Dev Challenge, was to sort of give an elevator pitch for a game idea that makes use of counterplay loops. Remember last episode's topic was about game balance and kind of a deep dive, and we talked about counterplay loops and how a good counterplay loop or a self-balancing system isn't just um, straight-up hard counters like it is in rock, paper, scissors, for instance. Good counterplay loops are usually a little bit more nuanced. And Defrag's post, I think, is a lot more nuanced, in fact, than Rock, Paper, Scissors. But I think it's a really good example of a self-balancing system, and I think it's really interesting. So I will now read you Defrag's post. Defrag says, A simple RTS game where the unit's costs are dynamically adjusted according to in-game economic demand based on each unit's random traits. And Defrag goes on to kind of further break this down. At the start of each match, each unit's specs are randomly generated. In this context, I think defrag means the units, um, like the RTS units. So you got like your soldiers, your tanks, your, you know, all that stuff. Defrag says each unit initially costs the same. However, as players discover the unit's strengths and weaknesses in that particular match, they buy more of the stronger units, which drives up the price. Meanwhile, weaker units become cheaper allowing players to field larger numbers. For example, a match might randomly generate a high damage tank as well as low damage infantry. Players might determine quickly that the tank is more useful, and so the tanks get purchased over the infantry, driving the price up for tanks. 
Meanwhile, the weaker infantry unit's price will get closer to zero, allowing a secondary strategy of quantity over quality to counterbalance the initial strategy of purchasing the stronger yet more expensive tanks. I think this is a really, really cool idea for an RTS, sort of this um, kind of like supply and demand and invisible hand market economics thing going on in an RTS game. It kind of reminds me of that idea in business about products where it can either be made cheaply, uh, made well, or made quick. And you only get to pick two of those things. So you can have quick and cheap, but it won't be made well. Or you can have well and fast, but it won't be cheap. It's kind of this, a similar idea. And yeah, I think it's a really cool auto-balancing. If you think about it, it's like an economic rock, paper, scissors. Uh, you got cheap, fast, well. And I only read like the first half of Defrag's post so far. Defrag further goes into how the random units could be differentiated by more than just damage and hit points and stuff like that. It can get even deeper with effects like slowing or poisoning or health leeching. You could have cloaking or flying. All sorts of kind of deeper strategies that kind of show themselves in RTS games. And I think this gets really interesting because it definitely becomes like hunting for a good stock on the stock market or finding those bargains, you know, where the price makes sense for what you get. And if you discover something that's really broken, maybe a really good unit for cheap, when you start buying it, it's going to definitely auto-level itself out because the more you buy it, the price gets driven up higher. I think it's a really, really cool idea. And Defrag, if you don't make that game at some point, I might. Because, uh... Yeah, I really, I really like that RTS idea. So yeah, congrats to Defrag for winning the episode 34 game dev challenge. Defrag will go up on the leaderboard. And at the moment on the leaderboard, all you need is three game dev challenge wins. And I think you're at the very top. And there's an opportunity every episode. So I would really encourage you to participate. And this episode is going to be kind of focused on the artistic side it's going to be an art challenge, which will be a good break because we've definitely been doing a lot of game design challenges recently. So the episode 35 game dev challenge is to draw the same character at a 16 by 16 tile size and a 32 by 32 tile size. Later in this episode, we're going to talk about what I mean when I say tile size if you have any experience with tile-based pixel art, you probably already know. But basically, just to sum it up quickly in case you only listen to the game dev challenges and then move on, um, a 16 by 16 character would be 16 pixels wide, 16 pixels tall, or at least the template you draw them on would be that. And same for the 32 by 32. So yeah, I would just uh, make those and kind of maybe put them side by side, post it up on the community Discord under the Game Dev Challenge channel, and people will vote on their favorites. And I would encourage you, even if you're not a great artist, to practice this, because remember, this is about honing your skills a little bit. So maybe you've never made pixel art before, here's your chance. Speaking of pixel art, let's jump over to the body of the episode. Today's episode is about pixel art, and it's kind of a hotly requested topic because pixel art is one of the most popular style choices for game devs today. 
I referred to this episode as kind of a primer um, in the title for a reason. And the first reason is that because just listening to this podcast episode isn't going to like magically make you a great pixel artist. Um, there's a great deal, like all kinds of art actually, there's a great deal of hard work in becoming good at pixel art. And some people are just going to be more naturally talented than others. And the other reason I called it a primer is that I myself am not a great pixel artist. I would say I'm probably somewhere between beginner and intermediate. Maybe you could call that uh, beginner-mediate. <laughs> but I have been practicing um, recently, and I have learned a lot about the basics and fundamentals, which that strong base allowed me to kind of learn a little bit faster. And so I'm hoping to provide that strong base for everyone else. Maybe you're brand new to it. I'm hoping to give you that strong base so that you can learn faster. Um, we also are going to talk about kind of the technical workflow of tile-based pixel art, which I think is your best option for a beginner. And yeah, I just wanted to put together a primer where we go over the fundamentals and workflows and common practices. And I'm hoping that with this primer, you'll be informed enough that you could make your own game with pixel art and you'd have a solid foundation that you can build on by learning from other game devs and other pixel artists and the kind of the people who educate that out there online. There are a lot of them. And don't worry, I'll mention my favorite at the end. At the end of this, I'll wrap it in a nice package and point you in a good direction so that if you want to get better at actually drawing the pixel art, you'll know where to go. So yeah, now that we know kind of the direction the episode's heading in, uh, let's think about where we should start. Well, I think we should start with what exactly pixel art is. Pixel art is a video game art style where 2D sprites are made from an often limited resolution and palette. It is usually drawn on a grid where each cell is represented by one color. It kind of originated in the early days of game dev to accommodate the underpowered hardware. And there's lots of good examples, I mean a lot of good examples, but everyone knows Mario, everyone knows Pokemon, everyone knows Final Fantasy. I would say all of those are good examples of pixel art. Kind of, they're more classic iterations, by the way, not the most recent ones. But just because those games, Mario, Pokemon, Final Fantasy, have kind of modernized in their graphics... Pixel art still has stuck around, and it's even evolved into its own sophisticated style that is seemingly a fan favorite amongst indie devs. And you might say, well, isn't all art represented on a screen made up of pixels, and doesn't that make it pixel art? Well, I think you're right about it being made up of pixels. I mean, you are right about it being made up of pixels, but I wouldn't say that most artists or most people would call it pixel art. Pixel art is more about the artist being in control of the pixels. For instance, on a digital painting, um, it has pixels, yes, but is the artist actually placing the pixels or are they more brushing shades that are represented by pixels? I know that's kind of getting into a gray definition, but I guess for just learning's sake, just remember that pixel art is about the individual pixels and the individual pixels having significant importance within the whole picture. And the last thing I want to touch on for this sort of early definition is that there's a difference between pixel art and pixel art for game development or pixel art for video games. Today, I will specifically be talking about pixel art for video games. So there might be a few things that wouldn't make sense in a, just a, if you were making a picture, 
but these are going to be tips that are kind of helpful for the game devs out there and not just the pixel artists. So now you kind of have an idea of what pixel art is. Um, you could say, okay, I'm going to use pixel art for my game. Where do I start? Well, I would recommend building a tile-based pixel art game. I recommend this because most game engines have good tiling tools um, that make use of pixel art for your actual games. It makes it really easy. And I think for a beginner, a tile-based pixel art format is just easier than the other ones and it's a lot more flexible. And even that being said, I, there's a lot of advanced pixel artists that use the tile-based format too just because it works really well for video games. The consistent tile size will really let you focus on making small sprites and kind of practicing the fundamentals. And we're going to talk about tile size later, but I think it really makes it approachable and easier just because you have smaller tile sizes so you can make sprites quicker. And yeah, it kind of just lets you get going pretty quick. So now that we know we're going to do a tile-based approach, the first thing you have to do is figure out the size, like I said, and the perspective. Let's start with the size. When I say the size, I mean how large one tile will be. If all of your tiles are the same size, then all of your sprites will mesh together, and you'll have a lot of flexibility when using them for your game. This is one of those instances where the advice might be more applicable to pixel art for video games than pixel art in general. Um, but yeah, you want to determine a tile size in the length and width of each tile in pixels. I've also seen this called grid cell size. So if you see that term online, this is just the same thing. Some common sizes, for instance, are 16 by 16, 24 by 24, 32 by 32. It kind of goes up in those square dimensions. And you can definitely go higher than that, but the higher you go, the more work and skill is required. And so, yeah, I would recommend starting with the smaller ones like a 16 by 16 or a 24 by 24. And like I said earlier, this is just a reference to how big each tile is in pixels. So a 16 by 16 is 16 tiles or 16 pixels rather tall and 16 pixels wide. Once you have decided on a tile size, stick to it and keep all of your art that size. What I like to do is maybe start with a character and let's say they fill up the tile by being 15 pixels tall and maybe 12 pixels wide at the waist. You might be thinking, well, if I want to do a car, for instance, and I can't go bigger than 16 by 16, how am I going to make the scale of the car look right? Like the character already fills up the whole 16 by 16 square almost, and you want the car to be at least twice as big to look right, so what do I do? And you might just make a car in 16 by 16 and then scale it in your game engine to being twice the size, but that's actually not a great way to do it, and we're going to talk about the problem with that later. But what you should do is make the car two tiles long, for instance. Just make a 16 by 16 sprite of the front half of the car and a 16 by 16 sprite of the back half. And if you make them seamless, meaning that they connect at the edge of each of the respective tile, you can actually make a bunch of fronts and a bunch of backs of cars and mix and match them to have more cars than you drew. Kind of has that um, generated procedural feel. And right there's a good example of how you can start to see the power of tile-based art. So like I said, I like to start with a character that's one tile big, uh, just so I have a reference for the scale of other things in the game. 
And of course, you can explore with larger characters. Uh, you could have a character that's maybe really tall and is two tiles tall. But yeah, establishing the size of the character will really let you start to determine the size of things that are going to be on your other tiles. Like for instance, a computer on a desk, well, that should probably be about the same size as the player. So we're going to fit that onto one tile. A building, however, will be a lot bigger. And we probably want to make that like 10 tiles. And here's where it gets kind of interesting, because instead of making a building that's 10 tiles big, you could make a few puzzle pieces that are one tile big that kind of would represent a building. So maybe you make um, one tile wall pieces that go straight. And then you maybe you make a couple corner pieces. And if all of them are seamless, then all of a sudden you can make a building or a room any size you want because you just have all the straight pieces, you have all the corner pieces, and the tile pieces fit together to, like I said, make whatever size building you want. And you can do this with a lot of things in this tile-based pixel art. You can make platforms like this, you can make trees like this, you can make tons of stuff. And I think this is really the power and fun of a tile-based pixel art. Lastly, I just want to say that picking what tile size you do, there's really two things you can should consider. Like I said earlier, the smaller your tile size are, so let's say the 16 by 16, or maybe even you want to go really tiny, 8 by 8, of course you can make those sprites faster, but remember that if tile-based pixel art, or all pixel art really, is an art form that really emphasizes each pixel, well, the less pixels you have, the more important they're going to be. So an 8x8 tile is going to be pretty difficult because each pixel is going to have to be placed and colored and all that perfectly. On larger tiles, you kind of have a little bit more room for expression, but it's also going to be more work just because each tile is a lot bigger. And then there's also the point to consider that smaller tiles kind of have a more pixely art style to them, while larger tiles have a better resolution, a little bit more clear. So yeah, I'd just suggest googling maybe some 16 by 16 uh, or any size really tile sets. Just google that and see what style you like. And if you're a beginner, I would say definitely keep it small, but not so small that it requires like a really good abstraction art skills. I think the 16 up to the 32 size tiles are probably the sweet spot for something like this. Okay, so now you've figured out the size of the tiles or the grid cell size you're going to use. Next, we need to figure out the perspective. And if you're a beginner, really, I think there's only two perspectives that you should consider. These two perspectives are, is your art going to have a side-scrolling perspective like Mario or a top-down perspective like the overworld in old Pokemon games? And your choice should probably depend on what you want in your game. For instance, platformers benefit a lot from the side perspective because it makes it easy to see what you're jumping on. Well, a top-down perspective might benefit uh, a strategy game where the units can move in four directions. There's not that much else to say about perspective other than, you know, make sure it's the right viewpoint for what's going on in your game and make sure it's a viewpoint that you like. But yeah, if you're a beginner, I'm thinking... You probably want to stick to those two perspectives. Other perspectives might be something like isometric, which looks really, really good. Um, I mean, isometric pixel art is, is really beautiful, but it can be really hard to draw. You really have to understand form and 
yeah, I would just say it's more of an advanced perspective. So now you've identified the perspective and grid or tile size that you're going to go for. And now it's time to actually start drawing and placing pixels. But you can't place pixels without a pixel art tool or software. So I wanted to mention a few just so you had an idea of which ones to use. Now you can use something like Photoshop or Microsoft Paint for pixel art. And some people swear by them and say they're the best tools. But if you're a beginner, I would recommend that you use a specific pixel art tool. And I have a free and paid recommendation for you. So the first recommendation is called Piskel.com. That's P-I-S-K-E-L.com. Piskel is a free online sprite editor. Um, there's no like gotchas or anything where you can't export your work without paying or nothing, you know, kind of scummy like that. It's totally free and has some really good pixel art tools. And yeah, it's just set up to do pixel art from the start, and I used it for years for a lot of my games with no problems. And even if I want to just make some quick pixel art, sometimes I'll just do it on Piskel. So yeah, I would really recommend that as a free option. It's it's really good. I have recently, however, upgraded to A-Sprite. A-Sprite is a pixel art software that is like the top-of-the-line craftsman pixel art tool. It's made specifically for pixel art and has tons and bells of whistles. Um, <laughs> admittedly, I'm not even currently good enough at pixel art to fully take advantage of all the bells and whistles. But yeah, it's, it's 20 bucks on Steam um, and by no means necessary, but I definitely think it's a good investment if you find out that you like pixel art or it's something you're going to be doing a lot. Um, I would say if you're brand new, maybe practice with Piskel, uh, the free online editor, and if you really like doing pixel art, then maybe consider buying a sprite. Okay, so now you've opened your pixel art tool and you're ready to make some tile-based pixel art. The first thing you're going to want to do is probably set the canvas size. And depending on the tool you're using, this will probably be like one of the first prompts that comes up. So like I said, I usually like to start with a character. So we're going to want our canvas size to be one tile big, um, which of course is determined by your tile size. So if you pick 16 by 16, your canvas is going to be 16 by 16. Now let's say you were drawing a tree and you wanted that to be two tiles tall. Well, then on your canvas, you would just choose 16 by 32, um, and you'd basically have two 16 by 16 sprites or tiles right on one above the other. Once you have your canvas size set, you're finally ready to start drawing pixels, and we're going to talk about this step uh, sort of a little bit more in-depth later in the episode, but for now, just know that I like to do the line work first, block in the colors, and then shade it. Um, and maybe that order is not what really good artists would recommend, uh, but that's just how I do it now at my beginner-mediate level. So let's say you take to it really fast and you draw your sprite and you're ready to export it to your game engine. You may have noticed that the background of your pixel art tool has these weird like checkerboard pattern. Um, the checkerboard pattern is there to show you that those pixels have a zero alpha value. And you can just think of the alpha value as the transparency or how see-through something is. So if you don't have transparent pixels around your character in that 16 by 16 square, then you'll always have like a black background around your character. And of course, we don't want that. Think about like in Mario, you see the sky background over Mario's shoulder. You don't see him in a black box. 
so yeah, I thought that's just something important to know when you're exporting um, that the tile is 16 by 16 pixels. And if you want some of those pixels not to show like around your character, they have to have an alpha z value of zero. And most erase buttons on a pixel art software will automatically do this. So not really something you have to worry about too much. But if you see the checkerboard pattern, you know that those pixels are transparent. And the last thing we want to check and make sure when exporting is that we're exporting the file as PNG and not something like a JPEG. And this has to do with like image compression and how PNGs handle it better. Kind of a, another rabbit hole, but just for now know that you should be using PNG files for your pixel art because you won't get any of these weird compression artifacts. And if you use something like JPEG, um, you'll know right away because your pixel art won't look good when you export it. And yeah, I guess one last tip for exporting. Sometimes it's a little bit more useful to put all your tiles on what's called a sprite sheet, and then you cut them up later in your engine. Um, for instance, on a 16 by 16 tile size, um, you can kind of just put that in the settings of your engine, and it'll cut the sprite sheet kind of like a cookie cutter on those 16 by 16 grid lines, and yeah, you'll have all your sprites ready to go. Sometimes it's more useful to do sprites by themselves. Sometimes it's more useful to do them on sprite sheets. It just kind of depends on what you're making. Usually you would do this for like a character walk animation. Like you would put each frame of the animation on a sprite sheet and then in your game engine or Photoshop or whatever, cut it up and then you have all your sprites like nicely packed together but also separate. So yeah, if you see the term sprite sheet or we're wondering what a sprite sheet is, that's what it is. So at this point, you have your tiles ready to go, you've exported them, and you're ready to start making games with your tiles. What you should do next is research how your engine handles tile maps, and then you can use that tile map editor tool to start to make the levels and backgrounds in your game, and then of course put your character sprite on top of that, and that's kind of how the art pipeline goes. One day I may do like a short quick tips segment on tile map editors, um, but there's lots of good tutorials out there on how to set them up and uh, how to use them for the different engines. And I know at least in Unity, it's really easy and kind of really nice to use. So yeah, it's probably just a quick Google for whatever engine you are using. So the last thing you need to consider when importing your tiles and pixel art into a game engine is scale. Of course, if you truly only used a 16 pixel by 16 pixel sprite on like a 1920 by 1080 monitor, which is what most of us use, um, that would be really, really tiny. And so thankfully, most game engines will scale the pixel art so that you don't have any weird artifacts. Um, in Unity, for instance, you can just click on the sprite and tell Unity how many pixels should be represented by one in-game unit. I usually just set this size um, as being like the grid tile size. So for instance, I would say 16 pixels equals one unit and see if it has to go up or down from there. But remember that you want everything scaled to the same relative size. Remember we talked about this in the car problem, why you don't want to draw a car in 16 by 16 and then scale it up by two while everything else is normal. If you scale the game object, the individual pixels will look bigger than the pixels on the other art set assets. And so if you have varying pixel styles relative to your other art assets, um, it's just going to look not very good. 
So yeah, you just want to make sure that everything is scaled relative to each other the same. So if 16 pixels equals one unit on one sprite, it should be 16 pixels equals one unit for all sprites. So yeah, I hope by this point you kind of have it in your head how to make a tile-based pixel art game and the workflow and process and art pipeline that all goes into that. It is definitely achievable by one person, and I think it is a great method for making pixel art video games. But just because you know the process doesn't mean it will look good. So next, let's go a little bit more into some tips for making good-looking pixel art during the drawing part. Now, obviously, the best thing you can do is practice a bunch and get good at art drawing and learn the fundamentals of art and stuff like that. But I just wanted to talk about some fundamental tips that kind of help with the actual pixel art process. And remember, for that this part of the show, I am definitely in the beginner immediate phase. And uh, yeah, my pixel art career is very much still in its early days. So this by no means is the best way. And um, these are just kind of chip tips that really helped me kind of move along. So I mentioned earlier that when I draw pixel art, I usually do the line art, then block in the colors, then do the shading in that order. First, let's go over steps for the line art. This would be like the outline of the character and maybe sketching in the features. And what really helped me take this from like just doing stick art into actually making stuff that, you know, looks good is um, I started using like reference art. And that just means check out whatever it is that you're drawing. Check out how it was done in pixel art in other games. Maybe you want to draw a pumpkin. I would straight up just Google pumpkin pixel art and see how it was done and maybe replicate those same sort of forms and shapes. It also might help to look at real photographs and see if you can't abstract their shape into the pixel art format. You'll know right away if the line work looks right or doesn't, especially when you remember that drawing pixel art, each pixel has a purpose. Um, on like a small size, like 16 by 16 uh, thing, just like moving a pixel or a line just one space over or one space up or whatever can change the whole picture. And so what I mean is like you'll know when it looks right and when it doesn't. Um, it, let's, for instance, say if you were placing black pixels for eyes on a character, try a few places on the face because moving them will drastically change the look of the character because there's such an emphasis on individual pixels and especially the eyes will be a big emphasis. You'll know when they're in the right spot if you just try it in a few places and zoom in and out of your picture and just take a good look at it and take a look at the reference art. You'll know when it looks right and the beauty of like a 16 by 16 is there's only so many places you can put it. So yeah when you're doing the line arc just feel out a lot of different kind of places and sketches and use your reference art and uh, yeah you'll you'll know when it's looking good. The next thing we want to do is fill in the color and make a color palette. A color palette is just a selection of a few colors that kind of complement each other and it's actually a really deep subject and has like the science of art and like stuff about color wheels and warm and cool colors and hue and saturation and all that stuff. So yeah, colors can be a big rabbit hole. Um, I personally use a color palette generator when I do mine. 
And like I have some colors in mind of what I want things to look at, but I use a color palette generator to kind of help me select complementary colors. And yeah, you'll find a free um, color palette generator in the tools section of the community discord. I use it a lot personally and yeah, I think it's a really good tool for helping you select those complementary colors. And the last thing is something that once I understood, it took my art from bad to like, all right. And that is shading. Shading is the practice of simulating light and shadow on your pixel art by changing the shade of color. It gives your art that extra bit of depth and it really kind of makes it pop. And when I do it, um, I kind of think of shading as in two steps. First thing you have to do is understand where the light source is. And by that I mean you just have to figure out where the light is coming from and make sure that it's the same on all of your sprites. This is something that you just pick, but wherever it is, make sure it's consistent, like I said. Um, I usually like putting it directly above or above and kind of to the left. And once you've got that nailed down, then you can start to determine on your sprite where the kind of light and shadow are going to be. And it's one of the harder parts to kind of see this light and shadow on like a 2D image. But the more you picture it and the more you practice it, um, it, gets, it gets easier. So what you want to do once you've determined where these areas are, these light and shadow areas, is you want to take the base color and shift the shade a little bit darker. Um, let's do the shadows first. So you're going to take the base color and shift the shade a little bit darker uh, using the color picker tool on your pixel art software. You can then use this shade to fill in those shadowed places. And you want to make sure that you didn't shift the shade so dark that there's like a, a hard line. So sometimes it's nice to have like kind of a subtle change. Um, a little bit of subtlety goes a long way. But after you filled in the dark places, you're going to go back to the base color um, and pick a little bit lighter shade and then do some thin highlights in the areas that will be the brightest or where the light will be kind of hitting or reflecting off of whatever you're drawing. Oftentimes in my pixel art, I end up with more shaded portions um, and only a few highlighted areas. And that could just be me and like kind of my style. Um, so yeah, you experiment what looks good to you, but just know that if I'm saying tips that uh, helped me, usually I find that I'm doing more kind of darker shading and only a little bit of highlighting. Now, this is something I wanted you to just know for the future. Um, I don't think you'll probably be doing it too much in the smaller kind of tile sizes, but once you get into bigger tile sizes, you might want to take advantage of something called dithering. And most pixel art software will have a dither tool. Dithering is where you take kind of two different shades of color and you checkerboard pattern them so that they blend into each other um, when viewed from like far away. So when you really zoom in, you'll be able to see that each pixel is kind of checkerboarded, um, one shade versus the other. But as you zoom out, they'll kind of blend together and it'll make those transitions from, let's say, your base color to your dark color a little bit uh, smoother and softer. And it works really well for sort of those higher resolutions, those higher cell size um, pixel art. You might want to consider that when you start getting up into like the 64 by 64, the 128 by 128. So I just wanted to give you a quick example of how we might use shading. Um, just so you like really know 
what's going on. So let's say that we're drawing a head of our character and we have like a neutral skin tone. What you'll want to do, let's say the head is like uh, circular shaped. What you'll want to do is take your neutral skin tone and shift it just a little bit darker and go on the bottom of the sphere and kind of make out the jawline. Maybe the person has a really round face, maybe the characters in your art style have round faces, and so the bottom jawline is just kind of like an arc of dark pixels on the bottom of the sphere. Then you would go back to your neutral skin tone, um, turn the shade up a little bit, and go to the top of the head and just do a little bit of highlighting. And like I said, the more you practice this, the more you'll see like where it's supposed to go. But uh, yeah, just try out a few things and see what looks good. And like I said at the beginning of this, the best way to get better at pixel art in general is to just practice and learn by doing. Um, but there's definitely a lot of like fundamental stuff of drawing and specifically for pixel art that it's just kind of a deep subject and it's nice to know that stuff. Um, I myself am still learning a lot of this. And so I would definitely recommend checking out Adam C. Eunice on YouTube. Um, that's kind of the content creator that I watch for learning pixel art. And he has a great series called Pixel Art Class that really goes into depth to all of this stuff that has to do with pixel art. And it's really improved my skill. So yeah, I'd really recommend that. Go check out Adam C. Eunice on YouTube. I'll leave a link in the show notes to the video series. So we covered a lot of ground, and I just want to quickly summarize the points that we made in this episode. Um, pixel art is a popular art style in video games that has its roots in classic era of game development. Pixel art puts a heavy emphasis on each pixel due to the limited size of the sprites, and you should keep the important nature of each pixel in mind when making pixel art. Tile-based pixel art is one of the best and most flexible ways of implementing pixel art into your video games. And the first thing you're going to do if you're going to go the tile-based route is to determine the grid size and perspective. I recommend starting with a smaller grid size like 16 by 16, 24 by 24, or 32 by 32. Remember that those numbers are a reference to how tall and how wide in pixels one grid cell or one tile is. Remember to scale things in your art based on tiles. For instance, if a character is one tile big, make a tree two tiles big instead of just drawing it on one tile and then scaling it later in your game engine. Scaling things with tiles will keep your pixel size the same across all assets, which is more important for a consistent art style. Also, keep in mind that if things are on more than one tile, you should try to make them seamless. Seamless meaning that they join up in the same places at the edges of the tile. This will allow for extra flexibility. This sort of modular design of your tiles um, will make it easier to use, especially when building levels, for instance, for your game. An example might be you make a straight uh, tile, a straight wall tile, and four cornered wall tiles. And then with those simple tile sets, you can make a room of any size. When you go to select your perspective, remember that that's the term for how your pixel art will be viewed. If you're a beginner, you really only want to look at two choices, which is top-down, which is like the overworld in Pokemon, and a side-on perspective like classic Mario. When considering which perspective to use, make sure that it fits your game. 
We talked about the advantages, for instance, of a side-on view in platformers. Make sure when you go to make pixel art that you're using a pixel art tool. I suggested Piscal.com and Asprite for a free and paid tool. Remember when you go to export your pixel art that the checkerboard pattern represents the part that will be invisible. And remember to always export your pixel art as a PNG so that you don't get any weird compression. Using your engine's settings and tile map editor will be a good way to make sure everything looks right in your game engine and it'll help you with like scaling the art bigger so that it properly fits on larger monitors. Remember we also talked about some tips when it comes to actually drawing pixel art. Um, I like to do line art, colors, and shading in that order. When I'm doing line art I like to use reference art um, and kind of feel out where the pixels should go. Uh, remember to use a color palette generator for the color portion and shift that color up and down and shade the areas of light and dark to really give your sprites some more depth. Remember that the actual art skill will take a lot of practice to develop and if you're looking for further guidance I would definitely recommend checking out Adam C. Eunice on YouTube. I will leave a link in the show notes. With that I'm going to end the show Remember, you can get a hold of me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Zaccavelli underscore. You can send me a DM at any time. We also have a community Discord where we do the monthly game jam. We do game dev challenges. We talk about making games. It's a really good time. You really should come join. Um, there'll be an open invite link in the show notes. I'll have links to the content creators I mentioned and the Patreon for this content creator I guess um, or this show so yeah all the important stuff is down in the show notes uh, go check it out so yeah with that I'm going to sign off I have been Zaccavelli and big ups to Mugamumu on the discord for this new outro track Bye.